Welcome to St. Vincent DePaul Louisville's podcast with arms wide open. I'm your host, Executive Director and CEO, Dave Kelsey. St. Vincent DePaul Louisville serves individuals and families in need, including those who are houseless, living in poverty, suffering from addiction, enduring mental illness, or experiencing acute economic crisis. Founded in 1853, St. Vincent DePaul Louisville provides shelter, food, permanent supported housing, counseling, quality out-of-school programming for underserved youth, and emergency assistance. Our mission's simple. We house, feed, and support those most in need with compassion and dignity. This podcast is all about bringing awareness to our mission to educate and shine a light on the challenges that the unhoused face, but to also cover topics of general interest in our community. While the topics are of a serious nature, we also strive to keep things light, positive, to call out folks that are doing great work, all with a theme towards action and making our communities better. Our guest today is Chip Rogolinski, a proud resident of the Shelby Park neighborhood in Louisville, Kentucky. Chip is the past president of the Shelby Park Neighborhood Association and is a resident historian of the neighborhood. Chip's been licensed to practice law in the Commonwealth since 1996 after receiving his JD in 1995 from the Brandeis College of Law at the University of Louisville. 1998, Chip received his BA in Government Spanish at Center College, Danville, Kentucky. Since 2005, Chip has worked tirelessly in the Department of Public Advocacy of the Bullitt County Trial Office in Shepherdsville, Kentucky. Chip, good afternoon. Welcome. Good afternoon. It's so great, great to have you here I'm with happy us. And it's proud an honor. To be here. And I will tell our listeners that uh, today's been a busy day with Chip. He took us on a tour of Shelby Park today, and we learned so much about the history of the park. And we're going to talk about that in a bit. But before we do that, can you tell us tell us about your your legal career and your experience over the last 15 years of being an advocate for those in need and, you know, for, for folks that are finding themselves in the criminal justice system. I knew I wanted to have an advanced degree with having a liberal arts education. It was a necessity. Um, I never truly thought I would practice. Life changes, and um, I decided to hang my shingle more than 16 years ago, and I have been in a courtroom every day of my life um, advocating for um, the Commonwealth's poor, the indigent. Um, and that matters to me. It's a vocation. It's a calling. Mm. And quite proudly, I've served my Commonwealth and um, the citizens, all citizens, um, for the last 16 years. Um, my practice is focused mostly on juvenile work. And I'm very proud to say from a tiny courtroom in Bardstown, Kentucky, um, that I expanded Miranda rights nationally. Mm through a U.S. Supreme Court case called um, NCV Commonwealth in which um, the Honorable Governor at the time, Jack Conway, asked the U.S. Supreme Court to review the decision that favored um, the expansion of Miranda rights in schools um, rendered by the Kentucky Supreme Court. Heard actually on my, on my birthday. It was a good day. And um, the U.S. Supremes denied that writ of certiorari and which indirectly said that the Kentucky Supreme Court justices did the right thing. And it was an unusual case in which a juvenile was questioned without parent in a closed office by the principal with a sheriff standing, mm -hmm. knowing that there would be a charge, secured a confession, and um, that confession was suppressed. 
Um, that's probably my proudest moment, but I have um, been on three capital defense teams. The first two clients were Mexican nationals, and um, I speak Spanish fluently. My children are Latin North Americans, and um, even through my own children's eyes, I've seen my hometown in a different way, but it was a proud moment again to make sure that um, my three clients did not end up on death row with an amazing group of attorneys, mitigation specialists, and investigators. Um, even had a Kentucky law ruled unconstitutional, meaning illegal. Um, it's called the Abusive Teacher Statute. It was initially designed to um, keep adults from bothering teachers, particularly board members bothering teachers. It's most notably applied now to juvenile students. Mm -hmm. Um, in 117 counties, it continues to be legal, but not in three where I had um, a practice. So um, I retired June the 1st, but now I'm going to Washington State to continue being a public advocate in a new office. And um, do plan to return to Louisville and my beloved Shelby Park and my shotgun that I call the mansion. <laughs> well, we, we, first of all, thank you. For, for your service to the Commonwealth and and the state of Washington is fortunate to have you for another few years, but we're also very happy that you're not, you know, severing your ties here to Louisville and, and we'll see you back in not too, too long. And so with that, let's talk a little bit about the history of Shelby Park. You know, St. Vincent Paul has been a proud member of Shelby Park neighborhood for quite a while. And for those listeners that don't know, and a lot of folks don't know, but we occupy an entire block in Shelby Park that's bounded by Kentucky, South Preston, Jackson, and St. Catherine Streets. A little Actually, bit of a neighborhood. We're a big neighbor here in Shelby Park. And that's the way we look at St. Vincent de Paul. Um, most people probably don't know it, but we have a roadside marker now to commemorate um, the connection to neighborhood. And St. Vincent de Paul is the third oldest of the Roman Catholic lay organizations that carry that name. And um, Louisville should be proud that we've always progressively tried to take care of our own. Yeah, I appreciate that. Well, tell us, tell us a little bit about the neighborhood and its history. And, the, and, and clearly the important role that has played in the history of Louisville. So um, it's an eclectic, weird part of Louisville. It's in the corner of the old city. Um, the neighborhood is bounded by Logan Streets and the railroad tracks on the east. Bergman and Merritt to the south, Preston on the west, and the south side of Kentucky on the north. Um, it's probably one of the smaller, denser, probably the most blended demographically of all of our neighborhoods um, along religious and racial lines. Um, we're also, although we are one of the least, um, I'll say least, of the economical powerhouses in the in the city, um, we are still blended that there are all sorts of people that live in the neighborhood and that's what drew me to the neighborhood at first. So um, in our tour today, we saw an eclectic um, collection of homes and buildings. The first subdivision of the neighborhood dates back to 1847 and it was Jewish bourbon hmm. capital that helped to develop the neighborhood. And that was along the Northwest side and later there was an industrial area on the southeast side. And as the 1900s approached, lots were laid out 
most of the neighborhood was laid out by that time. If you look at a Sanborn map, which was an insurance map, um, but it probably was not till the 1920s, 30s, and 40s that the neighborhood was completely infilled, and that's why you see everything from arts and crafts um, to Italianate structures, kind of the full array. And in our roadside marker program, we've honored most of Louisville's noted architects, um, including Mason Mori, who brought the School of Chicago architectural style to Louisville, um, Arthur Loomis, who did everything from the Speed Art Museum and the Levy Brothers Building and the um, Conrad Caldwell House at St. James. He did what is now known as um, St. Well, it's the former St. Matthew's E&R Church or House of Ruth. He also did our Carnegie Library. And then most notably is DX Murphy. Yeah, and DX, the Carnegie Library is it's, it's it's the, the entrance the park, park. in the park. Yeah. Yeah. So DX Murphy um, is connected to the oldest architectural firm in the country. Um, most notably, almost every singular important Roman Catholic institution in the city. Um, he did um, St. Vincent de Paul, hmm. the, what I will call the second church. Right. right. The second church. He's most notably connected to the Twin Spires, but DX Murphy. So we've recognized almost every important architect um, in the city here in the neighborhood. What are some of the bigger cha changes that you're seeing and that are happening right now in, in the community? Um, the term gentrification gets thrown out a lot. Yeah, yeah and, and I and I want to ask about that too, and, and as kind of a second part to this question, in terms of just how do you how do you kind of keep that diversity as well? I can see where you know as you have some of the changes that you may talk about, you also want to make sure that neighbors stay. We are, I am not a numbers person. I'm a big picture visionary. Um, numbers really help to tell the story. 2010, we had 300 vacant units per the U.S. Census. And when I moved, you could tell that. You could tell. Um, we partnered with an amazing nonprofit here in Louisville and over three successive plans um, helped to reduce that number. Um, using neighborhood stabilization funds, which were concentrated in one singular block in St. Catherine Street. And the Shelby Park Neighborhood Association, with a history that dates back to 1974, out of um, an initiative from the, from the Archdiocese. Uh, we now believe through our oral history project, we're the second oldest neighborhood association in the city, preceded by Germantown and the Germantown Paris Town Neighborhood Organization. Um, that was a Roman Catholic initiative, and from there, we became a CHODO, a community housing organizer development, where we built houses, and we actually built those houses in the neighborhood north of us, Smoketown, and fortunately had strong, powerful women managing the organization, and they were good stewards of the money, and we were able to connect and leverage that money that we had to continue with some affordable housing projects, and that's how we try to keep people both in the neighborhood, but we also tried to draw people back into the neighborhood. Um, the 2020 census figure seems to indicate we've done a good job. Um, hopefully we can do a, a better job in the future. Um, and we're always looking for opportunities. We actually have a pending project with River City, River City Housing, an amazing nonprofit. And um, through both action and 
working with our neighbors, hope to um, encourage neighbors like House of Ruth and VOA and the Society of St. Vincent de Paul, not only to stay in the neighborhood, but to add to density, resolve part of the housing crisis that we have by making opportunities so that people who may not see themselves as my neighbor, right. eventually see themselves yeah. as my neighbor, just as um, as I do with organizations. Right, that's really cool. Yeah, yeah. so I mean, obviously one of the big issues uh, facing our community is the lack of affordable housing, and it's wonderful to hear that we still have some opportunities and some capacity for growth here in this. We, in, we need to part. think outside the yeah. box, right? And partnerships between nonprofits and for-profits yeah, and kind of NGOs public, and, the, and the government and you know, public-private and neighbors who actually walk the walk, putting money forward. Yeah, um, it's it's time to make sure that everybody has a place to call home because particularly when somebody has stable housing. It gives them the opportunity to add to neighborhood, to community, to city, to country. There's no doubt. Big believer see, in see, that. Yeah, we see that every day here. Um, so talk about some of the some of the new development. I mean, there's like Logan Street Market, which is not necessarily new, but it's relatively new. It's relatively and, new. And then a bunch of different restaurants and fun kind of places to go. You talked about a great meal that you had last night that was just amazing. Uh, just so, amazing. Yeah. Um, and you can walk to all these places. I do walk to all these places. Yeah. So um, we are the next walkable community in, in Louisville. Should be a walking community. And the heart of that is Shelby Park. It's about 17 acres and in and around are my neighbor's homes. And then on the outskirts and the edges of our neighborhood, we have the Shelby and Logan Street business corridors where everything from vegan jerky is produced and you can learn about how that happens all the way down to um, Idlewide Butterfly Farm where Blair, a licensed entomologist, has FDA approval to import the dead man moth, hmm. which is made famous through Silence of the Lambs. So um, across the street is Logan Street Market. We haven't had an open market since the hay market and there are about 40 business vendors all small businesses getting their start, um, providing a taste of Louisville or a piece of Louisville, and um, Toasties to Red Top, People Magazine says we have the best hot dog in Kentucky. And next to that is a Red Top's table tennis. And there's weekly tournaments there. Um, but um, I, the newest addition has been um, square cut pizza yeah. and a meal was raised in the Philippines. I'm sorry, born in the Philippines, raised in Rome and connected to the Manhattan culinary scene and a Kentucky gal stole him away. And fortunately for us, some of the best pasta and frittatas and Rome style pizza wow. right here. And if that's not enough for you, you can always go around to the sugar shack for some ice cream. And then if you just need a drink, Trouble Bar, um, featured in Esquire Magazine, the only place in Kentucky last year, women-owned and women-managed, Trouble Bar, like you all, considers themselves a neighbor and um, just has a very unusual ambiance. Yes, I said ambiance in Shelby Park. Yeah, great. Esquire Magazine in Shelby Park. It's a new place to come and walk and talk and to meet your neighbors, but I have to really give due to Billy Hertz. Um, Billy Hertz started on Bardstown Road a long time ago. And when that was 
too much before Restaurant Row. He moved down to East Market Street. And I said, East Market Street. And I knew Lou. And then he um, and his partner, Tom, um, took an ode. I'm, I think it's a burlesque theater. And we have some of the premier gallery space in the city. But um, Billy Hertz is a real estate guru. And I knew when Billy moved here, I needed to follow, and I made a smart move, and I have some just of the best neighbors in the best neighborhood in the city. That's awesome. Well, let's, and, and let's talk about that a little bit, because you did serve as the, the president of the Neighborhood Association. Talk a little bit about, and, and Maria Guerin is, is the current president, who we're spending a lot of time with, uh, getting, getting to know, and we'll have to bring her on, on, on the show uh, in, in the future. But talk about what the association is striving to do for the, uh, for the neighbors and community. We have a... We've had nonprofit status since the 90s, and um, that focus has always led um, the women who preceded me and the woman who has um, taken over. We've always been focused on trying to be compassionate and taking care of others. Some of that has been park improvement. Um, a, a lot of focus has been driven by the vacancy issue of homes, which has been reduced. Um, we've had a program to plant 500 trees in five years, and we did that in a five-year period. Um, now we're trying to connect and make sure we're building and strengthening ties to community. So in October, we'll have our third pumpkin patch, and um, it's one of the good things that came yeah. out of the pandemic. It, yeah. it taught us to look at different ways and to think outside the box. And um, new members who had rented and now own um, came up with the idea. And we, we did about 200 pumpkins last year and brought people out from the houses, um, socially distant pumpkins. And from that point, people were able to celebrate Halloween in a more traditional fair. But we started that out by making sure neighbors saw each other during the last couple of years. We're looking forward to being a part of that. I hope so. Yeah, right? Well, you've yeah. done more than that already. You've planted 15 more trees. Right, we did. And we're always trying to add to our tree canopy coverage. As we learned today walking, um, when you've got a tree covering the rain, you can talk a little bit longer. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> no, you, you all are doing, I mean, fantastic work in the Neighborhood Association and and. I've seen just such great action and professionalism, and but also just can-do spirit and, and a passion for the neighborhood, and that's what's happening. It it creates a sense of community, and neighborhood is more than being on your computer. And this is a neighborhood. Um, it's a mandate. It's a requirement. Yeah. Um, it it's not the place for everyone, but for those people who like to connect with um, their fellow neighbor. And they feel a vocation and a calling for that. And it could be to help somebody that's in crisis, whether in um, dealing with substance abuse or housing crisis or trying to make sure that a felony is expunged so that they have a fresh start. Um, when that all works together, for me, that's the kingdom. And that's something amazing. And um, St. Vincent de Paul does that along with some of our other larger neighbors. Yeah, well, we here at St. Vincent de Paul are uh, very keenly uh, appreciative of being a part of this neighborhood and, and look forward to continuing to collaborate and continue to 
work together, and we we, we appreciate. You've been a part of the neighborhood for a very, very long, long time. time. Very long time. Let's 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 wrap up with just a, a quick conversation because I always like to kind of wrap up and talk about how folks can help, how we can be in action, and we've talked about a lot of the great things that are going on, and that's wonderful. We know there's challenges though that that families face. Uh, and that individuals face that, that live in this neighborhood. And I, you know, just talk a little bit about that, but I really want to focus more on what do people need to know in terms of how they may be able to be helpful? The first step is walking. When you walk the neighborhood, the vision and the perspective changes. And um, so many people I've encountered didn't even realize there was a park. When you walk and you talk and you meet people, then your perception of others also changes. Mm -hmm. And I would like to invite everybody to come and see our roadside markers. We're at a total of eight now, and it tells a different story of the neighborhood um, from a perspective of history. But then I want you to come and walk and look for all the murals. We've become famous for the number of murals that we have. And as you're walking, if somebody talks to you, greet them and talk to them back yeah. it could be somebody that's going to our harm reduction center mm. or it could be a longtime resident on the st vincent de paul property note the number of little free libraries that we have we have three there's a place to help yep. um come see the neighborhood that's the first step but when you're seeing the neighborhood, you can make a you can make arrangements to see St. Vincent de Paul. Yep. You can make arrangements to see House of Ruth and the Unity House in the George Tingley Elementary School and see how, for the most part, the architectural integrity of the neighborhood still exists and that fabric ties us together. And at the same time, um, the new energy where there wasn't energy before, or the energy had gone away. Nothing is more special to me than to go into St. Paul's, the former parish, see the sacred space, and know that more than 200,000 meals annually mm. amazing, are, right? are served out of this place where church used to be held, but church is still ongoing. Right, right. Yeah. That's church. Yeah, there's, there's no doubt about that. So there's lots of opportunities, but don't you need to come from a, a perspective of knowing instead of um, initially helping. Yeah. That knowing first gives value to whatever you're going to decide to do. And it doesn't matter what you do. Anything that you do is going to help. Right. Chip Rogolinski, you're an amazing human being. Thank you. Thank you for spending right back at some time, you. Some time. I enjoyed with us it. Today. Yeah. I enjoyed this morning, yeah. and I'm enjoying now. Yeah. So <laughs> thank you very much. Good luck in Washington. But we know that I'm Washington coming State, back. We know we're going to see you here. Just I would encourage people to come down. Yeah. Great. Come down. Great. Thank you so much. Fun. You're listening to St. Vincent de Paul Louisville's with arms wide open, a monthly podcast about Louisville, Kentucky. We'll see you next month.